Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers, and it's good to be with you today, wherever you're listening, wherever you're from. Um, we're, we're really excited uh, for today's episode, and without just rambling and jumping into random things, we're going to go ahead and get into it. And we've mentioned before that a lot of the things that we believe when it comes to Christianity, we have to nail down our worldview first and, and really nail down what we believe as far as the beginning and how it all happens, how it all transpires, because honestly, a lot of what we believe comes off of that. And we have a very special guest today on the show to help explain some of those things. And today we've got Brother Joseph McDonald here with us. So uh, how are you doing today, Brother Joseph? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to be on the program. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad you're here. Uh, So go ahead and jump in and tell us about who you are, where you're from, and kind of your background and everything. Well, again, as you just said, my name is Joseph McDonald. I'm from central Mississippi. I drove a couple hours to get here today, a little more than a couple, but it was fun. And uh, I have been preaching since I was 15 years old, right before I turned 16. Uh, By way of background, I did not grow up in a Christian home, by the way. I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. I had been given a Bible in the fifth grade, a little red New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. I read that thing every day without fail, uh, like a bookworm would, uh, from fifth grade and sixth grade. And we moved schools in the middle of sixth grade and seventh grade. So I took that little red New Testament with me to school in the new school that I was at. Someone saw me reading it, invited me to church. Uh, That's December 1995, uh, again, 12 years old. And uh, somebody, a classmate invites me to church after seeing me read my Bible at, and in class in free time. And I start going to his church. And about a month later, the pastor's son talks to me after church when we're kind of hanging out and visiting, playing ball and everything. And he took the time to explain the gospel to me. And I had been hearing preaching there for about a month. I had read a lot of the Bible. I just hadn't really understood understood a lot of it as a 12-year-old. And exactly. As a, a young person not growing up in church, so I had a lot of questions that day. We we talked about the gospel for quite a bit, but the Lord saved me by His grace, showed me I was a sinner in need of mercy and forgiveness, and uh, I became a Christian at 12 years old. And, of course, as I just mentioned, I started preaching a few years after that when I was 15, right before my 16th birthday. And um, as you can imagine, that made high school kind of interesting, being a Baptist preacher in my junior and senior year. But I had really great classmates and teachers that were very supportive and encouraging. Well, it was a little bit after high school, I found out about um, creation, evolution, dinosaurs, the age of the earth, different books and videos, uh, teaching on that and, and teaching resources that, by the way, I had not known about in high school. When we had questions about that in class, um, all I knew to do is to uh, quote the material back to the teacher and write something like scientists think or scientists believe or the textbooks teach, blah, 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 to where that she knew I was paying attention. And occasionally, I would even write a, a comment at the end, but the Bible says God made everything about 6,000 years ago. And at that time, I did not know how to defend that. I did not know how to explain that, but I knew I believed it. I knew I believed the Bible as written. I believed Genesis to be real history. And it was a couple of years after, after that, about the time I got out of high school, got into college, uh, friends gave me some materials. And so I started studying that, reading it. Just every chance I could get, everything I could get my hands on, and, and we'll talk more about some of the resources that helped me uh, with that a little later in the program. 
But um, I actually started teaching on that in churches in 2004, and I have been in multiple states around the country. Uh, mostly, most of the time when I've been teaching on creation evolution, though, it's been in Mississippi and Louisiana and Alabama and Texas, where I know a lot more people. But I have been out in Arizona, New Mexico. I even went to New Zealand back in 2008. And I can tell you, um, everywhere I go, every church I've taught at, every group I've talked to, people have the same questions about it. And it's always exciting. It's always interesting to me. I think it's one of the most important issues of the day, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit. But that's a little bit about me by way of background. Uh, I'm just a Baptist preacher from central Mississippi. I've been teaching on creation evolution since 2004. I've been doing that by using materials from people like Ken Ham and and Answers in Genesis. And and by the way, this is a great time to say uh, to your listeners, if you haven't visited the Creation Museum, you haven't visited the Ark Encounter, you're not familiar with Answers in Genesis, that is the best place to start when you're studying creation, evolution, and origins, and the debates surrounding all that. And uh, I've learned so much from Ken Ham and other speakers from that ministry, and it's just been a wonderful blessing to be able to use their material and material from other creationists and uh, to teach on that in churches and with youth groups and Bible schools and youth camps and things like that, and uh, even occasionally on programming like this. Yeah, And uh, I tell you what, honestly, we've lived into a day and a time where if you're going to have a talk with anybody that doesn't go to church, the first thing, if they don't believe in God, they want to bring up is creation, evolution, these things. And a lot of people in church, they know how to defend it from the Christian standpoint, from the, oh, I went to Sunday school standpoint. But as far as a deep and a deep evidence of it, um, you know, some people are not really grounded in that. And and we'll get into some of those issues here in the program in, in just a minute. The, the one thing I would say to that right off the bat, though, a lot of people aren't ready for those kind of objections. Some of them aren't even expecting those kind of objections. Uh, Some people don't expect those to be serious issues to unbelievers. They don't expect those to be serious issues even to church-going people who have serious questions or have a lot of confusion about those issues. And the issues involved are not really that difficult, and there are good answers out there that we can learn and we can study And even if you're not a Ph.D. scientist, even if you don't even have a background in science whatsoever, if you know your Bible, more than just knowing what you've been taught or what your pastor says or what your church believes, if you know what you believe and why you believe it, 1 Peter 3.15 is the verse that uh, you'll hear it in Answers in Genesis Seminar. It says to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Mm -hmm. And the the underlying word for answer there, it means a logical reason defense of the faith. And uh, when we're given an answer, we're to tell people what we believe and why we, we believe it. We're to be able to we're supposed to be able to back that up. Yep. And I, I can tell you right up front, there are pastors, there are Sunday school teachers, there are parents and young people that simply cannot do that because they really haven't been studying their Bible. They really haven't been focusing on what they believe and why they believe it. And uh, we've seen a lot of consequences from that mm-hmm. in our culture and in our churches and in our homes. And I think if there's anything I would encourage your listeners to do, it would be to be students of the Bible. And not just on creation and evolution, even though we're talking about that in this program, but to be students of the Bible and to know what you believe and why you believe it and, and be able to back up your beliefs by Scripture and to be able to distinguish between something being a personal preference or something being this is clearly what the Word of God says. And and there are some issues where it really takes some time and diligence to discuss those with clarity and with graciousness and Mm -hmm. respect. 
And you know what I found out uh, when you're talking to unbelievers and they realize you know what you believe and why you believe it, uh, they respect that. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't agree with that, they respect that a lot of times. Not everybody, not in every case. But uh, it's fun to have talks with unbelievers and atheists alike uh, and people of all walks of life. They're even professing Christians that struggle with these things. And it's really fun to discuss them. It's really fun to break a Bible out and say, hey, let's look at this issue. Let's look at this topic. And uh, you can learn a lot from it that way. Yeah. Um, so I guess that leads us into the the first question is is does it really matter what we believe where we about where we come from about our origin about creation evolution all of these things does it really matter? Well, obviously I'm going to say yes because I have a background <laughs> in creation yeah. and apologetics. Um, but to unpack that a little bit, think about it. First uh, Chronicles twelve thirty two talks about the, the men of Issachar being men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And uh, that, that passage there was talking about the reign of David and, and basically his coronation as king, if memory serves me correctly. But that, that verse has always stood out in my, in my mind. The men of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And boy, if there's anything we need in America today, it's for Bible-believing Christians to understand the times we're living in, understand mm-hmm. the issues facing our culture and facing our churches and facing our homes, and to know what we ought to do as believers here in America. Jesus in the New Testament, in Matthew 16 and Luke 12, uh, called people hypocrites for being able to discern the face of the sky, but not knowing the signs of the times they were living in. Think about that. That's very serious. That's a very mm-hmm. serious issue. And we've got people all around us, especially here in the South. If, if people around here in the, the Atlanta area or anything like they are back home in central Mississippi, they can tell you what the weather is going to be like when, when they walk outside. They can tell you what the weather is going to be like after they're watching the weather reports. And they can say, hey, I think they're serious about this one. They're, they're issuing the warnings. I think they got something to say. And then pfft, I don't think we're going to see anything this time. There are a lot of people that are very conscious of the weather, especially this time of year. Yeah. And that's great. It's important. You need to know that. But I think it's even much more important to know what we believe and why we believe it, why there's such an attack on the authority of God's Word today. And think about it this way. You, you look at American history. You look at the history of, of the church in America and, and churches in America. Uh, there are so many different religious groups here in, in, the, in the Western world and around the world. But really, at, at the face of it, there's really only two religions, mm-hmm. either Man determines truth for himself apart from the Word of God, or God's Word determines truth. And everything falls into one of two, one of those two categories. That's great. And what happened in our culture in the past, we had a culture as a whole, not in everybody, not in every case, but our culture as a whole believed that God's Word determines truth. And that's where a lot of our heritage comes from. That's another topic for another time. Uh, your listeners may be very familiar with that already. But where we're at in our culture, the culture has changed. Mm-hmm. Most people in, in our country, it seems at least, uh, most people in our country don't believe that. They don't believe God's Word determines truth. They believe man can determine truth for himself apart from the Word of God. And so that's really what man-made religion is about. And by the way, even a quote-unquote Christian group, a group that would claim to be Christian when they're really not, what we would call a cult, they're really, at, at the foundational level, they really believe that man can determine truth for himself apart from the Word of God because they'll look at what the Bible says and say, well, we don't believe that part or we don't believe this part. Mm-hmm. We just believe this. And by the way, that happens with Genesis, unfortunately. A lot of people don't believe that part as written. They don't believe it's real history, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But that topic, that background reminds me of the book of Judges. 
And boy, if you're a Bible student at all, you know that was a dark, dark period in the life of the children of Israel and in their history. Several hundred years there unfolding as judges are raised up and uh, people rebel against the Lord, go back to idolatry, and they go back into captivity, and God raises up another judge and shows mercy on them and delivers them, and they go back into rebellion. Well, two times in that book, it says every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And some of the most wicked things you'll read about that Israel Mm -hmm. was doing happened during that time in the book of Judges. And by the way, this is another subject for another time. But if you have a hard time understanding how God used people in the book of Judges, how God used those judges individuals, those judges as individuals and as deliverers for his people, you have to understand they were imperfect pictures of a perfect Savior to come. Uh, They pointed to Christ but did so in an imperfect way. And uh, we see examples of that all throughout the book of Judges. But those two verses in, in Judges 17, 6, Judges 21, 5, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Look around us. Turn on the news. Pick that's up the right. newspaper. That's where we're at. Uh, people don't believe in absolute truth and absolute morality like they used to as a whole. Uh, people believe you, you're, you can determine your own truth, and your truth might be different than mine, and you can determine your own morality, and, and what's true for you might not be true for me. And we have a lot of people talking about situational ethics and moral relativity well, at the, at the heart of the issue, what we really have to understand about the creation-evolution debate, first, all, first of all, is we either believe our presupposition, the beliefs we have to start with, we either believe God's Word as written, we believe God's Word is truth, and God's Word determines truth, or at the end of the day, we don't believe that. We believe that man can determine truth for himself apart from the Word of God. And that's what evolution really does. It's more than just a belief about all life having a common ancestor and one kind of animal changing into another kind of animal. It's also a philosophy, a worldview issue where people think that the Bible has been disproven in this scientific age, and then we can determine truth for ourselves, and we can figure all this out for ourselves, and we can explain life without God. They really can't. They believe they can. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's really why this issue is important. And I would say uh, not only is it important, it's extremely important. And whether you're an expert on apologetics, whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or you're a a Christian parent with young people that are asking hundreds of questions every day, I think you at least need to know the basic uh, principles of creation evangelism. You at least need to know the basic arguments to where you can defend your faith and point people to other resources when they have hard questions. Yeah, and and I'll, another thing I thought about while you was talking right there just, just a second ago was we've lived into a day and a time where nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody even likes to be wrong. Um, and often you see, at least in the church, that it's everybody's saying, and you, and you get a group of, like one side might say, well, we did evolve, God, but God created all the evolution things that happened. God created the Big Bang Theory. God done this, that, and the other. But you believe that he created the the earth and formed the earth and formed man and all of these things, spoke it into existence. And then you just agree and disagree and, you know, because you don't want to offend nobody is what a lot of people do. And, um, and then I think a lot of people view it as it would be a secondary or a, a maybe like a side issue and they don't really want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Well, uh, there's so many things I could say in response to that. First of all, it, if somebody asks you if creation is a side issue, I'd say, well, yeah, it is. It's, it's the foundational side. It's absolutely fundamentally important to what we believe and why we believe it. And yes, we do live in a culture where people don't want to be wrong and people don't want to say someone is wrong. We don't want to offend anybody, but we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And by the way, we need to know how to explain that with gentleness and respect mm-hmm 
and with graciousness and humility, but we do need to know how to be bold for our faith. And I say it's the foundational side because, as we'll see in just a minute as we continue talking about all this, uh, it's foundational to the Christian faith. The whole reason we believe the gospel is because of what happened in Genesis 1-11. to uh, If you don't have Genesis 1-11 to as real history, at what point does your Bible start to become real? If you're just picking and choosing, yeah. this is a myth, this is a fairy tale, this is an allegory. And yes, I, I believe the Bible is a real history. I believe Genesis is real history. I believe Genesis 1-11 to is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, a literal six-day creationist. Some people say, would call that a young earth creationist. Uh, I don't necessarily have to have the title. I just believe the Bible. And the reason why is because Genesis is written as real history. And it clearly says in Genesis 1, Genesis 2 there, it clearly describes God creating everything in six days. And Exodus 20.11 very plainly says God made everything in in earth and sea and the heavens and everything that he made, he made in six days. And Mm so uh, those six days are ordinary days. They're defined as such in Genesis. You add up the genealogies in the Bible where it talks about so-and-so begotten so-and-so and so-and-so begotten so-and-so and he died. Uh, you look at the dates when uh, one person had a child and then the next person had a child. You add those dates together, you get about 6,000 years for the age of the earth. And that's very different from the, what the world teaches, by the way. The world teaches that the earth is millions mm-hmm. of years old. The world teaches that uh, God didn't create everything, and it didn't happen thousands of years ago. It happened millions and billions of years ago. So those two views, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit as well, those two views are not compatible. Um, you, you can't mix naturalism and supernaturalism together. Some people do, and I think they're being inconsistent when they do. And I want to be clear, there are people that are professing Christians that do believe in evolution. There are people that are professing Christians that do believe in millions of years. And there are several variations of that. And so they'll ask, well, what do you believe about Genesis? Do you believe the gap theory, the day-age theory, the framework hypothesis, and on and on and on? And I'll say, well, I believe the Bible. Because all those compromised positions are not found in the Bible. If you mm-hmm. start with the Bible and nothing else, you have six days or the age of the earth, thousands of years of history, a global flood, and you have Christ coming into the world uh, to save us from our sin and from Adam's sin. Uh, the minute you believe in the framework hypothesis, the gap theory, and the day-age theory, any, any of those positions or any combination of them, uh, you're trying to mix millions of years of death and suffering and extinction and bloodshed into the Bible. And you have serious theological problems with that, which we may get into in just a minute. But think about it this way. 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul writes, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Paul gives a warning to the Corinthian church that the devil is going to use the same trick on them that he used on Eve. He's going to try to get them to doubt God's word. And so that's what happened in Genesis. When Satan tempted Adam and Eve, uh, primarily tempted Eve there first, uh, he said, yea, hath God said? Did, did God really say that? And that's the question that we have before us in our culture. That's the question. Did God really say this in Genesis? Did God really say six days? Did God really say the earth is thousands of years old? Did God really say he created everything recently? And uh, people argue with that, and, and they'll fight back about against that. But they do that by adding outside ideas into the Bible. They can't start with the Bible and get that from Scripture. Yeah. And so when people argue over that, and sometimes they'll say, well, God could have created over millions of years if he wanted to. And I'm like, well, he could have done it in no time at all if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. He could have done it instantly if he wanted to. The question mm-hmm. is not what could God have done. The question is what did he do and what did he tell us in his yeah. word? And so people say, well, I don't limit God by 
being so rigid in my faith. And I'm like, I don't limit God, but I limit myself to believing what God has written in Scripture. So I believe it's absolutely foundational. Psalm 11.3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And think about that. When people attack the very foundation of our faith, the, the very beginning of the Bible, uh, there are people that will mock the virgin birth or the deity of Christ or the resurrection uh, that kind of thing, and people immediately realize that's an attack on the Christian faith because that's anti-Christian. They're denying yeah. the gospel. But think about it. If someone is believing in millions of years, someone is believing in evolution, and as such saying the Bible is not true, they may not be directly attacking the gospel by saying that, but they're undermining the foundation of the gospel. They're attacking the very foundation of our Christian faith. They're undermining the authority of the Bible and the accuracy and authenticity of Scripture. They're questioning that. They're yeah. challenging that. and they're, that's, they're saying that's not accurate or believable or trustworthy. And how that affects people in our culture, John three twelve says, If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you the heavenly things? No, in the context, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus there about being born again, but think about it. If we can't trust the earthly things that we read in the Bible about how, how, where we come from and how God made things and, and when that happened, if we can't trust the earthly things in the Bible that we can actually study and, and learn about, uh, why do we trust the heavenly things? Hey, why do we believe the gospel to begin with? The gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians 15 as the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, mm -hmm. how Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Why do, we, why do we believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Why do we believe that Jesus did the miracles that he did? Why do we believe that he lived a sinless life so that he could be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, so that he could offer salvation and forgiveness of sins yeah. to you and me? Why do we believe he died on the cross? Why do we believe he rose from the dead? Well, people say, well, that's what the Bible says. That's why we believe it. And I say, amen. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. why we believe it. Exactly. At the end of the day, that's why we believe the gospel is because that's what the Bible says. Now, go back to Genesis for a minute. Why is that foundational? Why is that important? Why do we believe Genesis is written? Because that's what the Bible oh, says. Yes. And there, yes, there are questions and there are objections about science and history and archaeology. There are questions about di different things about the dinosaurs and the flood and the ark and where Cain got his wife and where the different people groups came from. But at the end of the day, our faith is not in our logical arguments. Our faith is not in uh, all our scientific observations. And there are a lot of them. There are good resources we can, we can use and recommend, good answers we can give to those kind of questions. But at the end of the day, the reason we should believe Genesis as it's written is because that's exactly what the Bible says. And so if someone mm -hmm. says Genesis, creation evolution is just a side issue, well, in a sense, I agree with them. I agree. Someone can be a professing Christian even when they believe in millions of years or they believe that God used evolution. I'm not immediately telling you that person is a heretic, that person doesn't believe the gospel, that person doesn't believe in Jesus. I would never say such a thing. But I am saying they're very inconsistent yeah. in how they study and apply Scripture and understand Scripture. And then uh, that affects their witness. That affects how they teach Scripture. And um, it's a foundational issue. It's one that we need to study more and we need to know more about. And, man, I wish I'd have known a lot more about this when I was a young person growing up. I'm so thankful for ministries like Answers in Genesis that give these resources uh, and make so many books and DVDs for people to use and uh, a family magazine like the Answers magazine. And, of course, the Creation Museum of the Ark Encounter, just being able to walk through those museums and learn so much uh, about all the answers that we have for the questions that we have about our faith it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, I thought about this, too. If if you're, 
you're there and you say that you're a professing Christian and and you believe the Bible and you believe it's God's inherent, God's holy inspired word, yet you don't believe Genesis, well then you're really backing down from from your what you're saying, honestly. And and we've got to get to the point where we do, like you said, we believe the Bible because the Bible says so and we believe that it is God's word. Um and also on another point of that, if we don't believe Genesis in the first three chapters, then we automatically miss the beautiful picture of Christ that's there in Genesis that's pointing back in the first Adam and the last Adam, you know. Oh, yes, and there's so much more we could say about that. There's the clothing that God made for Adam and Eve and their clothing after their sin, uh, the sacrifice that was made there, uh, Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice, and why one was acceptable to God and not uh, the flood itself, the ark itself being a picture of salvation from the wrath of God and from the judgment to God, mm-hmm. and, and there being one way of salvation, just like there was one door into the ark, uh, there was one way to be saved from the flood, uh, there's one way to be saved from the coming judgment, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our ark of safety. Amen. And so, yes, I believe Genesis is absolutely foundational to the Christian faith. It's absolutely important to study that. Um, think about how we teach the Bible in churches. Think about how we teach the Bible in Sunday school. Think about how preachers teach the Bible. There are a lot of times people will say, well, you know, come to our church, uh, come come to our Sunday school, come to our youth camp. We want you to come to our revival meeting. And you ask them, well, what's going on? What, what's the deal? What's, what's so exciting about it? Well, we're going to teach Bible stories. And don't get me wrong, I believe, I believe the Bible. And when we talk about Daniel and the lion's den. We talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in the burning, fiery furnace. Uh, we talk about Moses and Joshua. I believe all those things. I believe yep. they're real history. Uh, so I believe the Bible, but to me, they're not just stories. They're real history mm-hmm. because that's what's written in God's Word. Exactly. And so I, I don't even like to call on them Bible stories for that reason. But think about how those things are taught in our culture and in our churches. They're taught as Bible stories with a moral lesson, and they're not taught as real history uh, connecting the Bible to real history and teaching people to, to know what they believe and why they believe it and how to defend their faith. Well, what happens when kids go to school? Well, that's where they go to hear the real history of the world. That's mm-hmm. where they go to learn about anthropology and biology and geology and astronomy. And people say, but wait a minute, you, you're, are you saying that the Bible teaches about those things? Well, the Bible touches on those things. Mm-hmm. People say, but the Bible is not a science book. I say, amen, science books change every year, and the Bible doesn't change. Yep. Praise the Lord, the Bible is not a science book. But where it touches on science, where it touches on history, where it touches on origins, it can be trusted. And the Bible gives us the big picture of creation. It gives us the foundation for our thinking in every area to where we know how to think biblically, instead of just what to think when mm-hmm. we start talking about anthropology, biology, and geology, and astronomy. And by the way, the implications about those are huge. When you look at the Bible, God made two people, Adam and Eve, and yep. that's where God's made of one blood, all nations of, of men to dwell on the face of the earth, the Bible says. We all come from Adam and Eve. We all come from Noah and his family. Huge implications for anthropology there. Uh, Genesis 1 says 10 times that God that everything brings forth after his kind or after their kind. Huge implications for biology there. Uh, global flood. Noah and his family in the ark, 40 days, 40 nights of rain, floodwaters continue to rise after that, them being in that ark with the animals, uh, those land animals breathing through their nostrils, Mm -hmm. the breath of life. It wasn't every kind of, every species of animal. It was every kind. It was more like the family kind is what we'd say, and you find out more about that in answersingenesis.org. Huge geological event when you have a global flood. Uh, Astronomy. Well, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Yep. 
And there are people today that would say, no, the heavens tell us that there's no way the earth could be 6,000 years old. No, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And so people think they're going to school to get the real history of the world. They're just coming to the Bible to get moral teaching and moral studies. Well, guess what? The Bible's morality and the Bible's theology depends upon the Bible's history. And that means we need to know the Bible is true. We need to believe the Bible is written. And that's why it's foundational. And that's why atheists, a lot of atheists and humanists and skeptics understand creation evolution Mm -hmm. is a foundational debate because they know if Genesis isn't true, if Genesis isn't believable and it can't be trusted, then that undermines faith in the whole Bible to begin with. And so that's why people like to use uh, creation evolution debates and questions about that to challenge Christians about their faith. Thinking about answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, one of, one of the great teaching tools they have, one of the best teaching tools they have in their books and their seminars. Uh, I've heard Ken Ham teach on this multiple times. Um, so many of their speakers talking about the seven seas of history. And it, Brian Osborne has a whole uh, teaching on that, a whole DVD. It's fabulous, fabulous, wonderful, wonderful tool. But the seven seas of history, creation, corruption, catastrophe, Uh, confusion, Christ cross-consummation. In seven words, I've just summarized the whole Bible Mm -hmm. from cover to cover. And think about that. Creation, God made a perfect world in six days, about 6,000 years ago, where there was no death, no disease, no suffering. Man sinned and rebelled against God, brought sin and death into the world. That's corruption. There was a catastrophe in Noah's day when God judged the world because of uh, because of man's sin, judged the whole world with a global flood. There's confusion at the Tower of Babel a little while after that, where uh, people are separated by their people group, by their people groups, and by their families and by their languages. Um, huge implications for um, geology and biology, anthropology and astronomy, and all of this that we're talking about, right? And so, Christ cross consummation—that's the gospel, and that's the end of all things. Well, think about that. There are a lot of people in our culture that are quite happy to hear you say that you believe in Jesus. A lot of people in our churches are very happy to hear that you believe in Jesus. But then there's a lot of division over what we believe about end times and when the rapture takes place and what's going to happen at the end. There's a lot of division over that from time to time. Mm -hmm. That debate primarily is about what Scripture says and how to understand that. The debate over creation and those first four seas of history is not just a debate over what Scripture says. It's a debate over outside ideas, outside of Scripture, and whether or not that demands that Scripture has to be rewritten or reinterpreted in some way. Mm -hmm. And so it's a whole different kind of debate. But think about this for a minute, and this is why I brought up the rapture and eschatology. Uh, We believe there's going to be a day where there's no more death, no more disease, no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. We believe there's going to be a time when we will dwell together with the Lord forever in eternity. Mm-hmm. Why do we believe that about the future, that there's going to be a time when there's no death, no disease, and no suffering, if we don't believe that about the past as is written in Genesis? If we say that couldn't have happened in Genesis, that we can't understand the Bible as written there, why do we believe what the Bible has written about the future? Yep. I think it's an important point to make. And so... Our background in this, our beliefs about this, determine how we discuss the issue. Our beliefs about creation, our beliefs about Genesis, whether that's real history, whether it's literal or whether it's figurative, those beliefs affect how we talk about the debate. Those beliefs affect how we interpret those early chapters of Genesis. And by the way, those early chapters of Genesis are quoted throughout the rest of the Bible or alluded to throughout the rest of the Bible. And so it 
it is a foundational issue, absolutely foundational, as I've said multiple times so far. Yeah, and and you think about this too, and and I really want the more you talk, the more I thought about it. I remember as a child watching the movie Land Before Time or Jurassic Park or anything with dinosaurs in it, and the first thing they always said was millions of years. And I had a mom and daddy that raised me, you know, to believe that God created the the heavens and the earth and in six days and on the seventh day he rested. I, I was raised that way, but you take someone that wasn't or someone whose mama and daddy or someone whose family, you know, didn't pour into them, how easy it would be to say, well, I mean, it could be millions of years. It could be six days, you know, and and really we don't, as a Christian, I guess you could say, that's why it's fundamental that we get these things nailed down so that we can tell our children, so that we can tell our friends and our family and, and stand up and really stand firm in what we believe. But um, how do we understand that evidence for creation so that we can have it meltdown? Well, I think those are very good observations and questions. And yes, uh, there are so many cartoons and movies and children's books and storybooks and coloring books all about dinosaurs. Children are fascinated with dinosaurs. And Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis, what they will tell you about dinosaurs is that they really ought to be missionary lizards. We really ought to use dinosaurs to teach people to believe the Bible is written and to believe the Bible's account of history. And I would say that those things don't aren't just confusing to unbelievers who haven't heard the Bible. There are a lot of professing Christians that have questions mm-hmm. about dinosaurs and don't know how to answer the questions of the age. I don't know how to answer young people's questions about where dinosaurs come from or when they went extinct or what caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. We're not going to get into that in this program. We'll yeah. save that for some other time. Uh, by the way, there's great information about that at AnswersInGenesis.org. Uh, it's, it's very easy to solve the great dinosaur mystery. But um, dinosaurs are very, very fascinating. And it's one thing to watch a movie or read a, uh, watch a cartoon or watch a movie or read a book. But it's another thing to look at what the Bible says about where we come from and to know how to think about the seven seas of history and use that as a framework to answer the difficult questions of the age. If you start with the Bible and nothing else, and you start with the belief that God created everything and they did, did that in six days and he did that about 6,000 years ago and there was a global flood, well, it's very easy to answer questions about dinosaurs. Um, by the way, just go to AnswersInGenesis.org. Type in the word dinosaurs on the search bar there. You'll find a lot of great articles there. But when it comes to evidence for creation and how to understand that and how to use that, you really don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a PhD. Uh, It's great that there are people at Answers in Genesis and other creation ministries that have those credentials, and they're able to do research and answer difficult questions and explain, explain difficult topics very easily. But when it comes to understanding the evidence for creation and how to use that to defend our faith, the first thing we have to understand is that it's not all this evidence for creation versus all this evidence for evolution. It's a battle over the same evidence. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is creationists and evolutionists, we live on the same earth. We live on the same planet. And we see the same fossils and we see the same rock layers and we see the same stars and galaxies out there uh, in the, the far reaches of space. And so all the evidence that we would talk about when we're talking about creation and evolution, we have the same evidence. It's the, the issue is creationists and evolutions, creationists and evolutionists alike have different beliefs about the past. So, so we interpret that evidence in different ways, and we have a different worldview. We have different presuppositions. And so a creationist and an evolutionist will look at the Grand Canyon, will look at rock layers, will look at fossils very, very differently. Even though they're seeing the same evidence, 
They have different beliefs about the past to explain that evidence that we have in the present. And so the battle's not over the evidence. And by the way, I would just say it's not even really over science. We have to understand the issue is not science versus religion when we're talking about creation versus evolution. Mm-hmm. It's how we understand science. But we we live in we live in a scientific age where we're impressed by all the technology that we have around us and praise the Lord for it. I I have computers and tablets and phones and gadgets and I yep. love getting new ones and learning how to use them. Uh, that's wonderful. But when we talk about science, that's what we talk about. Mm-hmm. That's what we think about. We think about the technology that we have and all the, the learning and the information that's at our fingertips when we get on the Internet and all the things we can learn. But that's really built on observational work, yeah. observational evidence. And so when people design machines that work most of the time uh, efficiently for a little while until they wear out and tear apart, uh, they're they're building on the knowledge of the past, and they're using observational science to build that. Yep. But the minute they start talking about thousands of years or millions of years ago, even when they're using scientific language, that's really not the same kind of science. They're, they're talking about origins now. They're mm-hmm. talking about the past when they weren't there. They're talking about the belief systems they have, the presuppositions they have in their worldview. Uh, to give an example, uh, it, there's a lot of talk right now about doing space exploration back on the moon and out in Mars and other places like that. Um, I think it's fascinating to read the news articles and read the discussions about that and hear people talking about it. Um, the, the work that it does, the work that it takes for people to explore outer space, even with telescopes, it's amazing what people can do with that. Mm-hmm. And a creationist and an evolutionist could be working on a telescope or with the telescope at the same time. They can both build that and use that, and, and they can build that the same way, and they can use that technology. Uh, sending uh, a rover to Mars, for example, the technology that it takes to get equipment there and send information back here is amazing. And it's growing at an exponential rate with yeah. what they can do with that kind of stuff. But the minute they start talking about the past when they aren't, weren't there, that's a different kind of science. It's, that's origin science. It's background. It's beliefs about the past when they weren't there. And they're making assumptions about the past when they do that. Mm-hmm. Creationists and evolutionists, by the way, we all have assumptions about the past. Yeah. And my assumption is that God's Word is true from the beginning. And it's true altogether. And I believe God's Word is truth, and it determines truth, and we determine truth by what the Word of God says. That's our standard for truth. Well, an evolutionist doesn't have that standard. He believes man can determine truth for himself apart from the Word of God, and so there's no absolute truth, no absolute morality in their mind. And so they have very different answers to all the questions that we would ask, or very different answers than the ones we would give about things like dinosaurs and why they're suffering and death in the world and uh, about whether or not there was a global flood. The the heart of the debate is not about science, and it's not about evidence. It's about how we interpret that evidence. Uh, it's about the assumptions that we have about the past that influence how we view that evidence in the present. Um, and honestly, saying all of that and looking at all that, and we might can get into this real quick, like... Um, maybe and and discuss this just a little bit but could we should we in any shape form or fashion leave the bible out of this discussion at all i mean is that very very good question uh i would say no uh absolutely not because first of all the, the bible is our, the foundation for our faith it, mm-hmm. it's our 
final rule and our ultimate authority for all matters yep. of faith and practice in every area it touches on. And so the minute you leave out the Bible out of the debate because you just want to have an intellectual discussion, what you're really essentially doing is just arguing your opinion versus someone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. In other words, we need to show people what we believe and why we believe it and leave the responsibility with people not whether or not they agree with us, but let them know that the Bible has spoken on this issue and the Bible's the authority and not our opinion. Secondly, if we leave the Bible out of it, uh, and it's just my opinion versus your opinion or my opinion versus their opinion or something like that, we're giving up biblical authority and very possibly, depending on what kind of answers we're given, we might actually be undermining the Bible's authority by the answers we're giving when they're unbiblical and by the way, there, there's no neutral ground on that. Um, Jesus said you're either with me or against me. You're either gathering in or you're scattering abroad. You're either in the light or in darkness. And so if we give up the Bible and we leave the Bible out of the out of the debate, what we're really doing is saying man can determine truth for himself apart from the Word of God, and that's not a position I want to stand on. Uh, how I would handle that if someone says, well, I want to talk about creation evolution, but don't quote Scripture to me because I don't believe that. And if you want to talk about it without talking Scripture, we'll talk, and I'll say, hey, wait a minute, you don't believe the Bible? Guess what? I do. And here's how I can explain these issues. Here's how I can answer these issues because I believe the Bible. Here's why you can't be consistent with your answers on the issues because you don't believe the Bible. We can't leave the Bible out of it. This is what the debate is all about, whether the Bible can be trusted. Uh, very good question. I, I would not do that. I would not leave the Bible out of it. I would acknowledge that people don't believe it. I mm-hmm. would acknowledge that someone is raising an objection and then just say objection overruled. Here's why. That that doesn't hold water. Here's why. Here's what the Bible says, and here's why it makes sense, and here's how we need to understand that. And, and I love this, and, and we might just get off of creation and evolution for just a second. Just for this sole matter, everything that we believe as a Christian, as a professing Christian— and I want to go ahead and say this, there's a difference in believing in God and being a Christian. You can believe in God all day long, but a Christian is to be Christ-like, and I think there's a lot of professing Christians out there that just believe in God and want to say that they're a Christian, but that's a subject for another time. Um, But everything that we believe, everything that we're going to teach our children, everything that uh, we believe God has done for us, if we ever at any point in any of that leave out the Bible, it's it's pointless. Um, we might as well just pack our bags and go back to the house if we leave the Bible closed. Yes, um, I, I would agree with that. And that, that's where a lot of things go wrong with churches and church groups and, and families and children a lot of times. Uh, if you've been around little kids at all, you know they have questions. And yep. I mean, the most quoted question, the most quoted letter of the alphabet is the letter Y. The question Y, <laughs> and kids want to know why. And uh, if they can't do something, they want to know why. If they have to do something, they want to know why. If they're told, uh, if they're given a description of anything, they want to know why it's like that. And there are times when parents have to give instructions to mm-hmm. children. I'm not a parent, but I've been around a lot of young people and a lot of young children. Uh, You wouldn't expect a toddler to understand everything about electricity or everything about traffic, but you would expect them to obey mom and dad when they're told, you know, not to put their finger in in an electric socket or they're not to play out by the road. You you would expect them to obey mom and dad when mom and dad say, say, get away from the road. You expect Mm -hmm. obedience. And so with young children, there are times you can't explain everything to them. But when they get older and they're asking why, if you can answer their questions mm-hmm. and you can say, hey, this is why this is important and this is why we're doing things this way, 
they begin to understand and they begin to realize, hey, this is really important. I, I didn't understand that. And if we'll learn to do that with our Bibles, teaching can be fun. Yeah, It can be fun for young people. It can be fun for adults because then we're not just telling people what to think about the Bible. We're teaching people how to think biblically. Mm-hmm. And we need to do that with consistency. There are times we have to tell people, hey, this is just my opinion. This is just what I think. Uh, this is just a personal issue, a personal conviction. And by the way, we need to be very careful how we handle those and how we address those. Yep. Uh, I don't want to say the Bible says and the Bible teaches something when it's just my personal conviction on, yep. on that issue. But at the same time, when the Bible is clear uh, and the Bible is crystal clear about things, and by the way, most of the Bible is crystal clear, uh, we need to tell people, hey, this is what the Bible says, and this is why we need to believe it. And think about that. Marriage is a big debate in our culture today, right? Yep. Marriage it was a big debate in the days when Jesus was here with the disciples. And, and while he was teaching uh, the, the believers there, people were asking about marriage and divorce back then. Matthew 19, uh, Mark's Gospel uh, they were asking about marriage and when it was lawful for a man to put away his wife. And Matthew 22 and Matthew 19, Jesus gave answers about marriage. And you know what he did in Matthew 19? He quoted Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And he said that it, this is what's written in Scripture. Mm-hmm. God made them male and female and said, For this call shall man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. And so think about that for a minute. Jesus could have said, I think, I feel, I believe, the way we tend to do. Um, and he would have been absolutely correct in anything he said because he's the way, the truth, and the life, yep. right? Uh, Jesus is God manifests in the flesh. Any answer he would have given would have been correct. But what he did by answering their questions about marriage, he quoted Genesis as real history, by the way. He never mis- he never reinterpreted that. He never said it was misunderstood the way preachers and churches like to do these times. He quoted Genesis as real history. And so when he gave his doctrine of marriage, he based that on the book of Genesis. By the way, the Apostle Paul does the same thing in the New Testament as well. And so think about that. That shows us that our doctrine comes from the authority of Scripture. Our doctrine comes from what God's Word says. And by the way, the doctrine of marriage comes from those early chapters of Genesis. The reason why we believe marriage is one man for one woman for one lifetime is because God created one man for one woman mm-hmm. and when he created Adam and Eve. Now, there, there have been differences throughout history. There have been times where people have strayed away from that. There were times in the Bible when people did things that didn't match up with that. Uh, but the Bible shows us the consequences of that yep. as well. Okay, uh, And there's condemnation of that for sexual immorality in the Bible as well. Think about it. If you don't believe Genesis is written, what is marriage? Mm-hmm. That's a big debate in our culture. What is marriage? And and that comes back to the heart of the reason why we believe the Bible. Uh, it comes back to the foundational view of our faith and Genesis being so foundational to our faith. Uh, if you believe the Bible is written, it's easy to defend marriage being for one man, for one woman, for one lifetime. If you don't believe the Bible is written, then where's the, where's the doctrine of marriage come from? Yeah. Uh, what is sin, by the way? If Genesis 1 to 11 isn't real history, then what is sin? And why do we need a Savior? Why do we need to be born again? Uh, people could talk about how sin is rebellion against God and sin is transgression of the law. I'm getting tongue tied here, getting a little too, talking a little bit too fast. But ultimately, to give an answer for what sin is and where sin comes from and why uh, there's death and suffering in the world, if you believe Genesis is written, you can explain that very yep. clearly, very consistently. And you can see why we needed a Savior. If you don't believe Genesis is written, then where does the gospel come from? What's the foundation for the gospel? And let me be clear. Uh, Again, as I said earlier in the program, there are professing Christians who do believe in millions of years, do believe that God used evolution. 
Um, they're undermining the authority of the Bible when they do that. They're not necessarily denying it altogether. Um, when someone says they believe in Jesus, they believe mm-hmm. Jesus is their Savior, for example. But I would ask them, where does the gospel come from? Why do we need to be saved? Why did we need a Savior? If Genesis isn't real history, and there's not a real person, a real couple, in a real garden where they literally rebel against God and bring sin and death and suffering in this world, then why do we need a real Savior who came as the descendant of Adam, came as the last Adam, as you mentioned at the beginning of the program, why do we need the gospel? Yep. And I find evolutionists and humanists and scoffers and skeptics, they understand why Genesis is relevant today. They understand many times why Genesis is so important and it's such a, an, an important issue of debate. They understand why that debate is, is is important. Often, they understand that more clearly than a lot of professing believers do. Because there are a lot of believers, as we said earlier, that will treat this like a side issue or secondary issue that's not important. And I think it's extremely important. Yep. And I, I thought about this, too. The Bible says in the, in the first chapter of the book of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then it begins to talk about how that everything was made by Him without Him was anything made that was made. But then you look on further into the chapter, I think that's about the 14th verse. Mm -hmm. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I don't care what issue we're looking at in the Bible, what debate, what topic. If you look and you study these long enough, they all point in the same direction. And they all point back to Jesus and how we need Him now. I would say uh, Genesis is foundational to all Christian doctrine, directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. It may not every Christian doctrine will automatically relate back to Genesis, but Genesis is the foundation for our faith, and so it does relate. Uh, what you just mentioned about John chapter one is important. There are three chapters in the Bible that tell us that Jesus is the Creator. John one is one yep. of them. You just yep. mentioned, and you quoted those verses almost verbatim. There, uh, John one, Colossians one, Hebrews one. Those three chapters tell us that Jesus is a creator. Jesus created all things. And and the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that it was for his glory and for his pleasure that he made all things. And so think about that. If Jesus is a creator, and I just mentioned a while ago in Matthew 22, uh, Matthew 19, how Jesus gave his doctrine for marriage from the book of Genesis. And by the way, when he did that, he said, he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. So Jesus, the creator of all things, said that, Adam and Eve were here at the beginning of the creation. If you believe in six days of creation, you believe Genesis is real history, that statement is true. Mm -hmm. And it's consistent. If you believe in millions of years in any form and somehow that God used millions of years to get us here, not only do you undermine the Bible's teaching on death and suffering and the character of God, but you also have a problem with what Jesus said. Anybody that believes in millions of years believes mankind has been here for millions of years, and Jesus says very clearly, Adam and Eve, was they were created at the beginning. Yep. And so I would say Jesus, the words that Jesus said are consistent with uh, what I would believe as a young earth creationist. What I believe as a young earth creationist is consistent with what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus, by the way, isn't just a creationist. He's the creator. Yep. And so when he speaks on that issue, it's with authority. But look at where we are in our culture. Again, there are really only two worldviews, really only two religions. There are many, I know, but ultimately only two. Either man can determine truth for himself apart from the Word of God, or God's Word determines truth. Well, if man determines truth for himself apart from the Word of God, then 
why would we not see lawless, lawlessness and immorality mm-hmm. all around us? Because, hey, if God's word isn't true and there's no God, and there's no heaven and no hell, there's no absolute standard of right and wrong, there's no absolute morality, there's no absolute truth, well, then right and wrong is whatever you want it to be. Immorality is either important or not important. It just depends on public opinion. If man can determine truth for himself apart from the word of God, then maybe abortion is okay. Maybe euthanasia is okay. Maybe uh, we we don't have to protect people's right to life and things like that. And so those are cultural issues of our day. The reason why we have such different views on hot topics like abortion and euthanasia it goes back to our worldview. Either we believe man can determine truth for himself apart from the word of God, or we believe God's word truth, determines truth for us, and truth is determined by what the word of God says. And by the way, if the word of God is true, and I believe it is, yep. if we believe the word of God as written, guess what? Then there are laws that come from that book that we call a Bible. And there's a lawgiver that we're going to give account to one day on the yep. Day of Judgment. And, and there, are, there are commandments in the Word of God, and there are laws that God has given, and there are moral laws that God has given there. God has defined marriage in His Word, and the definition of marriage doesn't depend upon me or you or any vote from anybody in this country or anywhere around the world. God's Word defines what marriage is because God created marriage. Uh, when the minute you believe the Bible is true, then guess what? There is a meaning for life. Yep. We were created in God's image. And we were created for God's glory. We were created to honor and glorify Him. And the purpose for life, the meaning of life, the sanctity of life is of absolute importance. Why? Because God made us to worship and glorify Him and to live forever with Him and with all those who dwell together with Him in righteousness. And so these two worldviews are not compatible. Creation and evolution Man's word, God's word, they're total opposites. Mm-hmm. And the minute, and again, as I said a while ago, the minute you believe in millions of years, you have to believe there's been millions of years of death and suffering before man. And think about it. The Bible says very clearly in the New Testament that man brought sin and death into the world, and death passed upon all men for that all of sin. Romans tells us that, pointing back to Adam. Yep. And so we need to be consistent in how we handle Scripture. We need to be consistent in how we study Scripture. And by the way, I would tell you right up front, I am not an expert on all this. Uh, there are many, many people who have been teaching on this stuff for a lot longer than I have, a lot of people who are much more eloquent than I am as speakers. If I can learn about this in a way to discuss this in a quick program like this, uh, I think anybody can. I am dumb enough to bust my own nose on my own car door. I did that once. Thank goodness <laughs> it was back when we didn't have cell phones and camp fancy cameras on them. Nobody saw it when it happened. But I'm telling you, if I can study this, and I can learn about this, and I can learn how it's important, I think anybody can. Yeah. And, and you look at it, and I mean, and we can kind of say, if nothing else from this episode, we've learned that, number one, creation is absolutely 100% uh, uh, important and and to, to our... Um, to our uh, doctrine and to what we believe. And then number two, we've got to believe in God, got to believe in Jesus Christ and that he was there from the beginning. We've got to believe in the Trinity. If you don't Amen. believe in the Trinity, you, you've you missed the mark somewhere. Um, and you see how all these, hopefully you as a listener have seen how all of these different uh, socioeconomical pol- uh, policies and problems that we're running across now, how all of these spider web and tie back in to one place and that is from the beginning and but before we close out i want to go ahead and ask joseph um 
what resources he would recommend, I'm sure that he doesn't recommend Answers in Genesis, I don't think. Um, oh, but. I, I recommend them overwhelmingly. <laughs> Some people might not appreciate or understand all your sarcasm there when they're not actually in the room with you. You need to be careful how you phrase that there. But uh, just let me just, yeah. before I go to resources in just a minute, what you said about the Trinity, bringing that up. Why do we believe that, by the way? Why do we believe the doctrine of the Trinity? Because we're convinced that's what the Bible teaches. Yep. We're convinced that's what the Bible says. Even if you don't understand it all, and even if you can't explain everything about it, if you're convinced that's what the Bible says and that's what the Bible teaches, you stand on that and you stand firm on that, and you ask God to continue to give you wisdom. Uh, by the way, that's how we handle any difficulty in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be just creation evolution. What does the Bible say? Uh, first of all, the Bible says that God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than ours, as right. high as the heavens are above the earth. Yep. So I would expect there to be difficulties when I read my Bible. I would expect there to be things about the Bible I can't necessarily yeah. understand. Because, again, I'm blind enough to bust my own nose on my own car door. <laughs> there are things hard to understand in the Bible. Uh, by the way, if that ever discourages you as a listener, uh, you're trying to read and study your Bible and it seems difficult, keep in mind Peter explained in the New Testament that things that Paul wrote with the wisdom that God had given him were hard to be understood. So if you're ever reading in the book of Romans or First and Second Corinthians or just about anywhere else in the New Testament, uh, Peter can identify with you if you think that's hard to understand. Don't, don't let that discourage you. Keep reading. Do what James says. Ask God for wisdom and do that in faith and do that with uh, a fervent prayer, asking God to open your eyes. Uh, how else do we handle Bible difficulties? Well, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So even if we don't understand all the issues involved, we trust God, and mm -hmm. we trust God's word. And so we keep studying, we keep researching, we keep praying, we keep asking God to give us wisdom, asking God for answers when we have uh, difficult questions. And as far as resources to recommend for people for further study on these issues, again, don't take my word for anything I'm saying here. There are, there are people that are much better speakers on this topic than I am. Uh, Answers in Genesis is the, the main website I would recommend to anybody, young person, older person, parents, pastors, Sunday school teachers, little children. There are a lot of great resources for little children in AnswersInGenesis.org. There are articles you can read. There's the Answers Family Magazine uh, you can subscribe to as a family that has a pull-out section for kids in there. Uh, the the question and answer section on, section on the website is very detailed. There are a lot of videos you can watch for free at AnswersInGenesis.org. A lot of their seminars, a lot of their uh, programming, a lot of their DVDs you can get for free there. Um, the and new, it's very easy, if, yes. if I'm not wrong, Like as far as reading and some of the things that even you sent me. They're very, very easy to understand and find. Yes, and most of them are written for young people. Most, if not all of them, are written for young adults. Uh, so, like the new answers books, volumes one through four, would be a great place to start. In I answers in Genesis, wonderful, wonderful books. Uh, they're not necessarily designed to be read cover to cover. They're designed to answer the the most common questions about creation evolution. So each book has about thirty questions, about thirty chapters, and you can read one at a time, skip from one to the other, ever how you want. Just look at the table of contents, look at which chapter looks most interesting to you, and read through there. Answers the new answers books, volume one through three, are online to read for free at AnswersInGenesis.org. You can read a sample, a, a quick sneak peek of volume four on that website. Uh, they have a newer book called A Flood of Evidence that's 30 of the most asked questions about Noah's Ark and the Flood. It's, it's essentially the Ark encounter in a book. 
Uh, by the way, if, if you're wanting to learn more about creation evolution, if you haven't been to the Creation Museum in the Ark, Ark Encounter in northern Kentucky, you need to plan a trip. You need to go, and you need to see both of those places and, and buy some of the books and DVDs there in the bookstore and take it home with you. Um, study the exhibits. Get the the books about the signs at the museum and the art where you can read through those at your leisure. Get the videos from the Creation Museum where you can watch the video displays in, in, in your home and show them to your kids and show them to your neighbors. Uh, Answers in Genesis is a wonderful, wonderful tool, wonderful resource. A lot of great speakers with that ministry. Uh, a couple of others I'd recommend that we haven't really talked about in this program. Uh, BiblicalDiscipleship.org. Uh, this is the website for Dr. Job Martin. Uh, he's the guy that really put a lot of this stuff in my hands and got me interested in it, learning how to teach on this. And um, I'm so grateful for Dr. Martin and his family. Uh, one of the greatest resources that you can find on his website at biblicaldiscipleship.org, he has a lot of animal videos, a lot of animal DVDs about incredible creatures that defy evolution. And he shows how uh, creation proclaims the glory of God by looking at these animals. The newest ones are called uh, Amazing Animals of Alaska. Three volumes there, probably the best ones out of the whole series that he's done, Amazing Animals of Alaska, Volume 1, 2, and 3. And uh, Dr. Martin, what he'll do in those videos is talk about a dozen animals and how they were designed to do what they do and how we don't always even understand how they can do what they do and how God ought to get the glory for how he made these creatures mm -hmm. and how, by the way, evolution couldn't explain how these animals yeah. do what they do. And so they're wonderful, wonderful DVDs. I heard an eight-year-old kid on radio quoting one of those DVDs verbatim during a question-and-answer trivia time on a radio program. Eight-year-old kid was quoting it verbatim, got everything right, and the, the, the folks that were hosting that program were absolutely shocked that this eight-year-old kid knew all this. Yeah. And they even asked after a break, how did you find out about this? How do you know all this information? And they mentioned the DVDs that they'd been watching them. Uh, another great re resource I would recommend as we close is the Biblical Science Institute. That is Dr. Jason Lyle. BiblicalScienceInstitute.com. Dr. Jason Lyle had originally worked with the Ministry at Answers in Genesis. If you've been to the Creation Museum, you've been to the planetarium there, if you've seen the Created Cosmos program, then you're probably familiar with Dr. Jason Lyle. But he is running his own ministry at Biblical Science Institute, and as an astronomer, an astrophysicist, he has a very unique way about taking back astronomy and talking about how the heavens declare the glory of God. And his DVDs uh, with Astronomy Reveals Creation, uh, Worlds of Creation, those DVDs are absolutely phenomenal. When it comes Christmas time and people are asking about the Christmas star, he has a DVD and a teaching tool on that. He also teaches on dinosaurs in the Bible and the age of the earth and things like that as well. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Uh, Dr. Lyle is, is a, a wonderful teacher. I've learned so much from him. Uh, these websites and more. There are others I could mention, but for sake of time, those are the main three I would recommend. BiblicalDiscipleship.org, AnswersInGenesis.org, BiblicalScienceInstitute.com. I don't believe in millions of years, but it seems like it would take millions of years to read all of that yeah. on those resources. But uh, put them on your wish list. Put them on your shopping list. Start picking up a few DVDs, picking up a few books, reading a few articles, bookmarking them, uh, emailing them to people, posting them on social media, whatever you need to do. But study it, read it, and learn about it. I'll tell you right up front, uh, the people that have been teaching on this for over 30, 40 years, uh, people like Ken Ham, uh, I, I owe them a debt of gratitude. I'm so grateful I've had so many of their materials to read and to study and to use. And by the way, that's where I got most of everything I talked about today, by watching these yeah. DVDs and reading the books myself. 
And uh, to be able to teach on it in churches and at youth camps and things like that has just been a, a blessing and it's been an absolutely wonderful experience. And you don't have to be a, a creation speaker to do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a professional speaker to do that. You can do that with your children. You can do that with a Sunday school class. You can do that with your neighbors. You can do that in a, in a Bible study with, with a family Bible study. It helps to know what you believe and why you believe it. And if you want to know more about that as a creationist, you want to know more about how to defend your faith, those three websites are a great place to start. And I will share one more. It's livingwaters.com. If you're not familiar with Ray Comfort and the Way of the Master TV show and YouTube channel, uh, get plugged in there because Ray Comfort, being from New Zealand, has just a wonderful way of using apologetics as a springboard to go right to preaching the gospel to unbelievers. And he'll teach you how to use apologetics to defend your faith and how to use it to continue preaching the gospel where you're not just arguing in a debate and you're actually appealing to people's conscience and and warning them to repent and get right with God. Uh, livingwaters.com is a wonderful resource. So you can go to the website there at livingwaters.com, click the tab at the top where it says movies. They have movies where Ray is talking about abortion. They have movies where Ray, and he's got a new one about to come out, by the way, called What Is It? It's going to be one of the best they've made, if not the best. I can tell you that right now. Uh, he's got one called 180, dealing with abortion, one called Seven Reasons, dealing with abortion. He's got one called The Fool, which is more like a, a biography and talking about how he's gotten been able to witness to so many atheists around the world and how God has used uh, debates with atheists to open up more debates to witness to more atheists. Mm-hmm. Wonderful to be able to watch that. There's a movie there at livingwaters.com about Christmas, uh, Christmas Gone Viral, talking about how people celebrate Christmas around the world. Fascinating film. Ray has a unique way of talking about controversial issues like those, and instead of just arguing over a controversial issue or yelling or fussing about a controversial issue, he's actually witnessing to people on the street, talking to people about the gospel, and using those issues to talk to them about the gospel and to show other believers how to do that. So livingwaters.com, click the Movies tab. Uh, there's a, there's one on there on there called Evolution versus God, which is very interesting. People either love it or hate it. There's no middle ground there. Uh, his bookstore section at LivingWaters.com. There are books there that can teach you how to share your faith, like books like Hell's Best Kept Secret and The Way of the Master, The Way of the Master TV Show. There there are four seasons that are on digital download and on USB that you can get and watch that, the TV show that he co-hosted with Kirk Cameron for a number of years. He has what's called the Evidence Bible, which is a really, really good study tool because it answers about 100 of the most common objections to Christianity, and it shows you how to do that. Again, not just by having a debate and having a discussion that's going round and round in circles, but to use that debate and use that discussion to go right back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and calling on lost sinners to repent and trust in Jesus. And I hope that's what you, as a listener, have done. I hope you know the Lord is your Savior. Amen. If you haven't, uh, it, it doesn't really do you all, all the, any good in the world to know all about creation if you don't know the Creator. Uh, and you need to get right with God today. And if you're a believer listening to this program, uh, my challenge for you is to know what you believe and why you believe it, to be able to defend your faith, uh, to be able to share your faith, and to be passionate mm-hmm. about that and to be bold for the gospel. Uh, brother, thank you for having me on. Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed all our discussion, our fellowship before the program. And uh, I hope your listeners have enjoyed this discussion and learned something from it. If nothing else, they've learned 
three or four good websites to go to where they can get much better resources than what I've talked about here today. Well, I tell you, if nobody else has enjoyed it, I for sure have. Uh, just sitting here listening, I, I was afraid to say too much because I was afraid I'd miss something. But um, I, I do want to say this while we're while we're going ahead and closing. Um, you might think that he is just trying, that Brother Joseph is just trying to promote something special, but I can say of a surety, he gave me all of the links, all of those things, and I have looked at every one of them, and I am thoroughly impressed myself just at what uh, what all evidence, what all things are put together, and, and easy Bible study tools, and I've used them uh, myself, and they've helped me a whole lot. So if you're listening to this, you want to study more about this, you can definitely look at those links and all those things that, um, that maybe that uh, Joseph shared and uh, if you need any anything else, need any more help, you can send us an email at levelgroundpod22. We'll try to, uh, at gmail.com, we can try to get you uh, the links emailed to you or tell you about some more books and whatnot. But uh, nevertheless, find us on Facebook, Level Ground Podcast. Look for us uh, on Instagram. And if you or anybody you know needs a Bible, reach out to us. We want to get you a Bible totally free of charge, no matter where you're from. Uh, But nevertheless, until next time, stay grounded, my friends.